I still think he might be the best candidate. This is a glorified ambassador role, I think. I do know why I am opting for one particular candidate. How do you actually think you can successfully win a contest against Michael G. Higgins? Welcome to The Candidate, the Journal.ie's in-depth look at who's running in the presidential campaign. I'm Sinead O'Carroll and I've sat down with each hopeful to get a closer look at who they are and what they want to do as president. Some of us have made the mistake of driving at 70 in a 40 uh, zone, or, and I'm one of those. And does it, you know, you said, did I expect it to come up? Does it disqualify me from being a presidential candidate? Uh, that's for the electorate to decide. This episode of The Candidate features Gavin Duffy, and I'm joined in DIT Angel Street Studio by our reporter Stephen McDermott. Stephen, you're here to give us a bit of background on the dragon. Can you tell us a little bit more about him? Yeah, well, Gavin Duffy is a 58-year-old businessman who's probably best known for appearing on the Irish edition of Dragon's Den. He's originally from Kildare, but later relocated to Drogheda and now lives in Meath with his wife, Orla Carmody, who herself is a former radio newsreader. In fact, Duffy's own career began on radio. Uh, After he left school, he set up the pirate station Boyneside Radio, which is where he got the name Gavin. His actual first name is Liam, but he wanted to change it to sound cooler on air. Like, is Liam a cooler name than Gavin? I don't really know, uh, with no offence intended to the Gavins and Liams out there. Yeah, I just would have thought they were on a par on whatever cool spectrum is out there. Yeah, no, I'm not really sure. I think he may have plucked it. Uh, It's his middle name, so when he was told you need to change your name, he just plucked it as being it was Gavin so Fair enough. Uh, anyway he also did some work with RT in the early 90s contributing to Morning Ireland and presenting the TV business show Marketplace so obviously he didn't make his millions doing that work for RT so how did he so it wasn't actually that much of a career change in 1989 Duffy led the consortium for Ireland's first licensed provincial radio station LMFM which was later sold to UTV for 10 million euro he said that his experience being mentored in Boyneside Radio made him want to do something similar for others so while he continued to appear on LMFM he also founded a media and management consultancy Gavin Duffy and Associates. During his career he's coached a number of Taoiseach as well as CEOs and executives and has obviously acted as a mentor for small business owners on Dragon's Den. So how did he get involved in this particular presidential race? Yeah, so although he's not the first Dragon to run for president I'll be honest, we Sean, well know that. Yeah, Sean Gallagher <laughs> did that in 2011 Duffy was the first one to announce that he wanted to do so this year. To get nominated he chose to go down the local authority route and received the backing of councillors in Meath, Carlow, Wicklow and Waterford. But while he's an independent candidate Duffy wouldn't be a stranger to politics. His consultancy firm has done work with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael and he was a moderator for Fianna Gael leadership debates between Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney last year. What's the main focus of this campaign then for him? So Duffy wants to help people achieve their goals and inspire them to bring about change, whatever that means. And he also wants to show off Ireland's heritage and identity to the wider world. He's proposed the creation of what he's calling an international youth corps. So basically he's looking to give 18 to 23 year olds a platform to serve their community for three months before he sends them off to volunteer in developing countries. So over the last few weeks, all the candidates have had their own controversies, some big, some small. What have his been? So at the start of the campaign, he had to defend his involvement with Ireland's hunting scene and his role as a former chairman of the Hunting Association of Ireland. Then, earlier this month, it emerged that he has a number of historical driving convictions. He was previously disqualified from driving twice and received a conviction for driving without insurance in 1978 after he was involved in a collision that saw a motorcyclist seriously injured. Duffy has since said that he's had a personal driver for a number of years and that the boy racer of his 20s is long behind him at the age of 58. Both of those controversies are obviously something um, that we'll want to talk to Gavin Duffy about when he is in studio with us. Thanks very much, Stephen. No problem.
before sitting down with Gavin Duffy, I really wanted to get his thoughts on being one of three Dragon's Den stars in a presidential election campaign and whether Sean Gallagher was a big inspiration to him. Well, first of all, Sinead, delighted to be on the podcast, but can I apologise about the fact that there are three candidates uh, from the Dragon's Den? How it came about, I genuinely don't know. And there was even a suggestion at the outset, were we in, you know, collaboration, cahoots or concert? Uh, certainly Stalking not. Stalking horse, I think, was the word that everybody learned, yeah, I think, this yeah, time yes, around. Yeah, yeah, and was applied, unfortunately and unfairly, perhaps, to Sean for me, because I was the first one to declare. Uh, but genuinely, uh, when I did... Uh, state my intentions back in July my understanding was uh, Sean Gallagher was not going to run and certainly I wasn't expecting Peter Casey Did his Uh, run in 2011 though put the idea into your head? Uh, no, it, it, funny enough, it didn't because the way it ended uh, and ended in tears, it would have put one off, actually. No, for the last uh, two years, um, I had been doing a lot of research for a book um, about the second 100 years of our independence, which uh, comes up in 2022, four years from now, and what type of society we're going to have because Ireland is changing very dramatically. I think in a large part for the better, we're on the cusp of becoming a true republic, we're becoming a more secular society. So there was a lot I was, you know, studying and researching and uh, was uh, fascinated and happy to do that. Uh, But uh, it started to put thoughts in my mind about uh, how how different the next seven years is going to be than the seven years we've we, we, we've just had, and uh, only around February of this year did the idea start to sort of fix in my mind, and uh, then it was April that I was saying to myself, "Yeah, I'm 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 going to do it." And why this role? Because obviously, there's a lot of other ways. Even being a t- television personality, you have influence over people. Why this particular role? Um, when you are looking ahead at, at those milestones. Yeah, and uh, you know, your first entree into public life to be the president is uh, borders and arrogance. You know, uh, the, the, so you can understand people's reaction uh, to it. Uh, but for the type of things that I feel are happening to our society, right? And um, you know, sorry, I was about to say. One of the outstanding examples of that is the journal, and you'd take that as both a compliment and an insult, because I'm sort of saying there's, you know, there, there's big changes and there's a bit of discomfort around those changes. Why, why wouldn't we? And I do welcome those changes, but there are huge changes coming in in society and in work with artificial intelligence, robotics, etc. And uh, I, I feel somebody who's above party politics needs to actually uh, make us aware and understand all of these issues because they're going to impact on everything we do, uh, Sinead. How can and the president do that? Uh, like, uh, I don't think Michael D. Higgins has told us anything about stuff that is happening. Is that your criticism of him then? Well, look, rather than make a criticism of uh, the incumbent, uh, let's just discuss that, what can a president do? And, uh, you know, the the presidency was created in our 1938 constitution uh, because we had in the 22 constitution of Sir Stott Aaron uh, an obligation, a requirement of Oireachtas members to swear an oath of allegiance to the British monarch and that caused a lot of trouble. So in 1933 we changed the legislation but really we 
wrote the 1938 constitution to sort out this particular problem. So we created a presidency with very limited powers. <laughs> There's yeah, just and I think four, four, four reserve powers. But nowhere in the constitution, Sinead, does it say the president can't do A, B, C, D or E. But with the first six presidencies, there was an assumption that that's all the president does, sits up in the park. Now, in fairness to our fourth president, Erskine Childers, he had a slightly different view, but like his big idea was to take the presidency out of the park. So that's how limited the thinking was. And then in 1990, the mould was broken when we had Mary Robinson, a constitutional lawyer, um, succeeded by another constitutional lawyer. And they knew the constitution didn't restrict the presidency and said we could do more with it. And How well do you know the constitution? Very well. Are you uh, a constitutional lawyer? No, I'm not a constitutional lawyer, but like, you know, more than half of our presidents had no great knowledge of, of law. But uh, you might ask, why but the, would but I... You, that's why, you're why, saying that's why, part of their yeah, president, why their cr- presidencies cr- were yeah, so good. Yeah, but you, know, you might ask, why would I sort of have an interest in the Constitution? But if you're looking at, in four years' time, we start the second hundred years of our independence. If you think about the War of Independence, and particularly the Civil War, where a sibling fought against sibling for the type of shape of um, uh, Ireland, New Ireland, we were going to have, I think we owe it to those people to say, look, how have we done? And how do we set, you know, the compass for the start of the next 100 years? Because one thing that's very obvious, and we're recording in DIT, you know, I'm coming in here and I'm seeing it packed with students and and, and so on, that the generation that's in college here today is very different from my parents' generation. So in a space of three generations, we've gone from an Ireland that took direction from religious, uh, you, you know, we're moving towards a secular society, which uh, I believe we we all should embrace. But, you know, we have to say, what are the values of a new society? And we, we, we have to think about that. And so of that, the people that's, that's where I started thinking, to, to, you know, to, to answer your question. And that's how it led to me saying, you know, yes, that's something a president can do because it's above party politics. And that's the really special thing about uh, the president, Uchtron Heron. That's how it was designed, that you're above party politics. But we usually ended up gifting it, uh, and I'm saying the political parties now, you know, to people because of their long service. And, and we're hearing it again in the case of the incumbent. Um, oh, well, look, it's your, you know, let, let him have another term. But we're because, not just hearing them. That's why I was going to pick up on it at the start yeah. of your answer. You said you weren't going to criticise the incumbent or, or the seven years. Um, but we're in a contest now where the polls are showing that... The incumbent is extremely popular, up to 67%. So for any of you to make a dent in that, there has to be some criticism that can be levelled or something that you would say, that was done wrong, or I would do this differently, or why the seven next seven years should not be in the hands of Michael D. Higgins. If you're not willing to do that, I'm not sure why anybody else would be willing to dissect. Correct. Yeah, no, uh, I, I, I agree with you. But uh, let me just clarify Uh, the most important thing as regards uh, President Higgins. Um, I think it's great that somebody at his age is willing to go again. So it's very important, I stress, it's not an age issue. It is a length of service issue. I think 14 years in the role is too long. I can't see what's going to be done differently next time round. Would it be a problem if it was done in the same way? Well, I think if your best pitch is, let's just do more of the same, then it means the work of Mary Robinson and Mary McAleese 
really is beginning to count for very little. And we're going back to the retirement home uh, style uh, presidency. And I mean, in the hands of a very capable, competent Uthron, but that's not what we thought we were achieving in 1990 when the mould was broken. And let's just think about it for a moment, Sinead. If Michael D. Higgins had decided to keep his promise, his faithful promise to the people of Ireland, because you'll remember uh, he was successful in 2011 because he was the last candidate standing. And we're seeing it again in this election. It's not an election. It's more a process of elimination where the media, you know, have a good go, particularly at new candidates, right? And they have a good go at them and hopefully kill off a few. And then there's one or two left standing at the end. And it's very hard to call the result, even for somebody on 67% at the outset uh, in 2011, Senator Norris had ha, had a very commanding lead uh, earlier on in the year as well. Uh, now, we're only talking a few weeks to the presidency here, but let's say he, ha- he had stepped down. We'd be celebrating a great president. He went out in glory. Uh, and then, look, had he handed it over to the next generation, I don't know, maybe Labour would have picked somebody like Ivana Bacic uh, and you'd have a constitutional lawyer there if that's what people wanted. Maybe Fine Gael might have gone for an MEP like Mairead McGuinness. We'd have a very different field of candidates than what we've ended up with. And, uh, you know, it would be very different. But when people stay on too long and when you play into the cosy consensus of the political parties who are really just trying to avoid the expense of a presidential election and the distraction of it because their eye is on a general election, um, how imminent we don't know, uh, you you, you end up with a scenario like this. But uh, I I, I think, uh, and certainly the feedback I'm getting, going out meeting people, um, Sinead, they're they're coming up to me. Everybody wishes you luck. I mean, people in Ireland are very, very welcoming uh, in in the real world. It might be slightly different on social media because we're all prone to keyboard worrying. worrying. But, um, you know, when you meet them to wish you luck, for me, quite a number genuinely, even without being asked, promise me their number one vote. But they all, quite a number of them say, not sure you should have gone for a second term. And I don't think we've seen that reflected in the polls yet. Popular, but... On the 26th of October, uh, I will, we, we shall see. You mentioned there the media picking apart the candidates, in particular the new candidates. I would argue as a member of that media that we're doing nothing except telling the public about things that you have opinions on, things that have happened in your past. And I presume you would have known things like your driving convictions would have come out once you put your hat in the ring. Very much so. Um, I've said all along, Sinead, as you know, that if you're putting yourself forward to be the president of Ireland, and particularly if you're somebody coming to politics as I am, there has to be a deep screening process that involves scrutiny. Uh, So um, I uh, have no concern about um, the questions that I've been asked, and I'm the one candidate that has been available Always, but to, not even the to, questions. To were, questions. Were you concerned that those things were on your record? That these things had happened? That your judgment was questionable? Yes, uh, and um, I, I would say it was. Uh, you, you know, um, 
you're somebody who's uh, pioneered in a new industry um, doing uh, online journalism. Um, when I was in my uh, teenage, late teenage years, um, what I was doing was pirate radio. It operated outside of the law. Sadly, I may not have respected the law. That's not an but excuse. But that, that's a big leap. I think pirate radio is generally now lauded for what it brought to society. Yes, yeah, yeah, and, uh, it, and we absolutely cannot say the same about uh Driving convictions yeah, 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 or yeah, yeah, driving yeah, no, without I, I, proper documents and correct, no, dangerously. No, no, but I'm just trying to put it in a context for you, Sinead, of where I was as a as an 18 year old between 18 and 21. Uh, I, I was lax in something that I should not have been. But it's it's not um, well. Maybe for some people, it's the convictions. But for me personally, it is the fact that I was in a car illegally on a morning in August when I collided with a young woman on a motorbike just 25 and she was severely injured and Sinead all I can say is that lives with me um, all the time and uh, you know that, that, that that's if I could turn But there was a conviction back. after that there, there, yeah, yes, there was. There, sorry there, there, there were there were sort of two sets of convictions there, there was one uh, then sort of a couple of years later, um, so when I was 21, um, and uh, then there was a speeding uh, fine or a speeding charge uh, many years later, you know, when I was 33, and I say I should have been wiser. Had you uh, forgotten then that you were saying it lived with you after no, that? No, was no, speeding, it, and, and, was speeding and, something you did no, all no, the time? No, no, it wasn't speeding I did all the time. Uh, sort of, you know, it was not being insured was sort of the... 18 to 21 situation and then the speeding was you know I yes I did 78 in a 40 mile zone uh, you know I'm not excusing it uh, but well was it that fear that you had injured someone that that could happen again or was it the fear of the the irresponsibility of doing something outside of the law that stayed with you um, no, no, injuring somebody, uh, that's that, you know, the, 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 the memory of that uh, lives with me. Uh, and then just the foolishness uh, of not having respect for the law and driving safely, uh, you know, um, within a speed limit on a particular day, you know, where, uh, but, you, you know, for, I mean, you know, some of us have made the mistake of driving at 70 in a 40 uh, zone or, uh, and I'm one of those. And, you know, uh, does it, you know, you said, did I expect it to come up? Does it disqualify me from uh, being a presidential candidate? Uh, that's for the electorate to, to decide. All I can say is that, you know, I'm very remorseful for the accident that happened. And I certainly regret uh, that situation uh, as regards the, the offences. Um, and, you know, for me, um, it's it's something that was in my past, and I think it's important that people know it, and uh, that's why I'm, uh, you know, happy to not happy, but you know, uh, uh, willing to talk about it and uh, and uh, try and explain myself, but not excuse it in any way. Uh, you mentioned there that you you have said that there's no questions you, you won't answer, and you've had had already a number of interviews, um, some more difficult than others. Um, was it ever? It was something that I really wanted to ask you coming in. Was it ever one of your concerns that obviously your business is communications? Your business is showing people how how to do what exactly what you're doing now, sitting down and, and talking to the media or putting your best public self forward. Did you ever have fear around 
doing that when actually you're usually known to be the teacher you know teachers teach doers do yeah no um, uh, look it never crossed my mind that's not to say it's not a factor that's not to say that if uh, I have a bad day at the office in a in a media interview it'll get more coverage than any of the other candidates uh, you know that's it what I was talking about earlier on is so important to us and what's what you know, is going to happen over the next number of years that uh, all is what I wanted to do was see, could we go back to having an evolving presidency um, started by Mary Robinson, successfully worked on by Mary McAleese and uh, an evolving presidency for what is an evolving society. I'm committed to that. And what I wanted to do was offer people an alternative that here's somebody who's going to do the presidency in a, a different way who uh, n- understands the constitutional framework but also can make things happen uh, mindful of the political framework. There's there's a balancing act always uh, in the presidency and I feel I have the understanding and the ability to deliver it. Um, this is probably a, a question that we didn't tailor make for you but um, given on, on what you have said so far we asked a couple of our listeners um, for questions and the first one was actually about some of those dates you mentioned earlier. I do know why I am uh, opting for one particular candidate okay. because of his ability to uh, to manage the commemorations of uh, 100 years ago over the next three years. Therefore, it would be good to uh, ask the other candidates uh, what role that they could play uh, to, to assist the Irish people to sort of constructively engage in what is was one of the most sensitive periods in Irish history, you know, resulting in a civil war. Well, I presume the questioner is referring to uh, two years ago, the centenary commemoration of the Easter Rising, uh, which was uh, very sensitively officiated by President Michael D. Higgins. And remember, 1916 is a challenge uh, because essentially we gave the concept of blood sacrifice uh, to to uh, the world. And so um, I thought the um, uh, commemorations uh, were very well handled. And in particular, though I will be critical from time to time of RTE, but they played a big role in coordinating it. The next ones uh, that come up, the commemorations of the foundational events of the state, our War of Independence, um, the Anglo-Irish Treaty and the Civil War um, are very, very different. And I believe we should not be dwelling on the past. Looking back a hundred years, as I was saying earlier on, I think we need to be using that to have a national conversation about the type of society we, we want. And it's very easy to say, look, we want an open, fair, just, equal and compassionate society. Sinead, what does that actually mean? What's the implication of that? How do we cost it, etc.? And therefore, I think uh, around the f- commemorations uh, in 2021 and 2022, we need a type of uh, maybe a citizens' assembly or something to, to discuss that, uh, to say, um, you know, what have we achieved in our first 100 years? What goals are we setting ourselves in the second uh, hundred years. Uh, we've had two referendums that show uh, the changes in Ireland are, are, are seismic and, as far as I'm concerned, positive. Uh, so, you, you know, in 2015... They, we were, were, they were both kind of activists from the ground up activists and then 
politicians in Dáil Éireann allowing th- those changes to, to happen. Um, why don't you want to be a TD or even a senator with some of the things that you're talking about there? Yeah, but 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 sorry, we we we'll, we'll talk about sort of alternative routes that I I, I might have taken, but those those two referendums show Ireland as um, a very open and inclusive, uh, progressive society. And I sometimes think we forget how far we've come uh, in the last uh, 20, 25, 30 years. Uh, if you just go you know, up to the border and cross into Northern Ireland uh, where, you know, it's it's almost regressive and divisive by comparison and can't form a government at the moment. When I say we're on the cusp of uh, a, um, a, a, you know, what could be a true republic, I, I really do think it's very important that uh, we start to have a serious conversation about the type of society we want. That's not something that a TD or a TD, because it's a party political thing at that stage. It's something above politics. And this is when we talk about the children's legacy, our fourth president. So what are you talking Childers. about doing? Are you talking about making speeches or no, no, what no, is no, it? No, we're talking about, uh, you know, a, a president leading a national conversation and getting a representation of people to sort of talk about society in a non-party political way. And like that, that is really important. But uh, where and how? This is why, uh, forgive me, but we're hearing a lot of this high minded talk about from not, not you, all, all six candidates. And I understand that because you, you, ha- you have to, we have to get to know you somehow over this campaign. But what, how can you translate that into specifics for people? Yeah, but, but, what does leading a national conversation mean? What does what would you be doing? It means, first of all, you convene. You know, we we've had various forums. Uh, we've had um, you know a citizens assembly. So I mean, you know, it's not rocket science to get people. Um, but that was Andrew rep- Kenny's citizens yeah, assembly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 you yes. But why did they do it? Because we were facing into uh, a referendum to repeal the eight, and we needed to move it away from party politics and. You know, we have a presidency that's costing us 8.1 million a year. Why don't we use it to do these important issues? But no, people say, oh, well, I don't know why we should be doing that. That's a high-minded discussion. Let's just have a a commemoration that looks back at a civil war and tells us war stories. And I'm saying, no, we should be doing more, Sinead. We should uh, be... Can I get uh, an example, though? So Citizens' Assembly, that's something that was set up from within Dáil Éireann. So you're saying that these are things that wouldn't be done through the TG route. So do you have an example of something that could be can illuminate to our listeners what you mean by leading a national conversation leading it it, it means you know it could be let, at the moment what we do is we spend three million uh, you know once a year or once every couple of years, uh, you know, changing a single amendment in the Constitution. Maybe uh, at the start of the second 100 years of independence, we need to have a review of our constitutional. So it could be a constitutional forum. We we, we had one in the 60s. It could be a constitutional forum uh, because there's a a lot of... Our Constitution is a good, robust Constitution, Sinead, but there's a lot of anachronisms in it uh, from a language point of view. And uh, we need to address it. And we tend to be sort doing the one at a time on the 26th of October you know we have a, a referendum uh, on blasphemy now it's happening on the same day as uh, a presidential election so it's it, it's not a, a single item cost but you know there there will be a few million spent on that when we really should be looking at 
what is the future relationship in Ireland between uh, church and state, or as I call faith and state and state and faith? You know, where we're, we're not going to be um, a, a, you know, to the forefront run by religious organisations as, as we have in the past in the first hundred years. So, you know, let's have a conversation. And I, I don't know why you'd have a reservation about having national conversations uh, about issues like that. Let me give you an example of why party political systems um, sometimes don't serve us well when we go to look to the future and try and uh, decide or plan for the future. The current government did very good work coming up with the 2040 framework plan, right? And it was about the infrastructure requirements for Ireland with our growing population. Again, growing quick, not quickly, but but growing faster than Europe and we have a population that is uh, growing and moving east uh, all towards the greater Dublin area, right? So uh, they, they, they do that and they launch it in Sligo and uh, straight away, because it's a party political situation, a row breaks out over advertorials in local newspapers around the country. Uh, there's a big debate and the strategic communications unit is, is uh, disbanded and nobody talks about the plan uh, and the infrastructure we needed. I believe if a president was conducting those type of conversations uh, separately, then we're finding a role. And I I don't see what's wrong with experimenting to find a better presidency, but it does seem there seems to be, ah, no, let's go with more of the same and and, uh, let's, let's just... Yeah, Michael D did a good seven years. Let's 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 give him another seven years. As I said, there one of the things in this podcast that we're trying to do is is allow listeners kind of get to know um, all the candidates, and that means asking your opinions on various things. I think you've given on two of the questions that we have asked everybody on the same sex marriage referendum and the abortion referendum. You've said that the, both of those were positive, so we can move on from that. One of the things that you actually had to deal with a lot um, at the start of your um, after you um, began your campaign, and not so much in the media since then, but it's kind of followed you around in social media, is your involvement in hunting. Um, I'm actually not that familiar with the different variations of hunting. What hunting are you involved with? You're the, a member of the Loud Hunt. Yeah, I, well, I'm not, uh, but I have been. Okay, so I'm somebody who is brought up in rural Ireland, very into horses, uh, dreamed of being a jockey, um, thought maybe as a youngster uh, I would be able to make ten and a half stones. It's been a long time since I was there. Uh, that's the adult weight a jockey uh, for, for, for a jump jockey, certainly. But look, if you're a young lad, you, you go uh, to hunts, you compete in hunt trials, you try to, to, what, to what, what's involved in a hunt? Yeah, well, sorry, this this would mean fox or harrier hunting, right? But so that's, dogs going that's, after a, yeah, and that's, a fox. That's what I did, uh, etc., and did it up to my forties. Uh, that's the way I was brought up in the countryside, as tens of thousands of people did in Ireland. The reason why it is an issue for me is that uh, in two thousand and nine. Um, uh, around that time, uh, there were moves by the Green Party to uh, remove the licence from the Ward Union Hunt, which is a stag hunt, Sinead, right? Now, they don't uh, kill the stags or anything. These, this is the original Irish red deer herd that uh, has an uncontaminated bloodline because it's been kept on a reservation. And there were fears and concerns some years back that they were becoming domesticated. They'd end up as farm animals. Now, by the way, I have no involvement with this hunt, right? But uh, they decided that, you know, or that the practice was the stag, a stag is hunted one day a year, released, uh, recaptured, 
and returned to its its reservation, and that's what keeps it keeps it wild. So the Green Party said, "No, we're we're not going to license it, etc." And I um, said, "Fine, if you're not going to license it, what are you going to do with the herd?" And there was discussion that we're going to move it to Killarney National Park because you know we've Sika deer and they they they, they cross with with uh, the Irish red deer, and uh, after a while, the all the experts and the advice to government was, "You can't uh, do that," uh, and so on. So I, I keep getting asked questions about this and you know there's a very polite persistent pleasant man on Twitter who keeps asking me uh, Gavin what's your view on hair coursing yes or no I've never been to a hair coursing event uh, you know I've had no hand actor uh, So what's your view on fox hunting events now Yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'm saying I'm running for president right if the le- if the legislators want to ban fox hunting I've absolutely no problem with that Do you think it should be banned? I, I, I don't have a view one way or the other because let me come back to the Ward Union hunt you I do not want animals all over the countryside being poisoned because if the foxes are not being hunted, farmers will spread poison everywhere and but surely badgers... But there, surely there's a so more no, bear humane... Bear with me, bear with me. Is there a more humane way than, than surely poisoning? Surely there's a more humane way than what happens at a hunt or what happens at poisoning. If there is a problem with pest Sinead, 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 controlled, surely that's yeah, different. It's vermin control. But, but, but Sinead, you're absolutely right. You'd imagine there should be and yet... The legislation in, even in the United Kingdom was you need hounds to flush a fox, as they call it, for it to be shot humanely. So uh, th- there's going to be some form of hunting. But can I come back to but the question? But isn't that very different please, from what please, a hunt looks please, like Sinead, for, for sport I, but, but and please, for entertainment? But, but please, Sinead, I brought out uh, the point about the, the Ward Union hunt, right? The person who licensed the Ward Union hunt is Michael D. Higgins. So you need to check the Dole record of the 20th of February, 1997, where he's the... Michael minute. D. Higgins isn't in front of me now, though. And as I oh, said, yeah, yeah, we but, are asking but, people's but, opinions but, on various yeah, exactly. items that yes, yeah, yeah, are important yeah, yes, but, to but, people but, but who are voting. Is, you will need to ask him. And you, were, were you aware that he is I the was, person... I was, I read in the Irish Times with your he, interview. Yeah, he's the person who licensed the hunt, right? And what he did was he listened to the hunt, he listened to anti-hunting uh, people, he got all of the expert advice... But because he was Minister for Arts, Heritage and the Gaeltacht, right, the Heritage and the National Parks and Wildlife Services no, we need to give them the licence because this is a special herd of deer. They're the last ones. Uh, we, we, we need to do that. That's all I was supporting. So President Higgins, as he now is, or then Michael D. Higgins, he's the person who licensed it. Yet I'm asked all the questions and no questions to uh, to, to, to be clear, to, I didn't ask about the licensing. I asked about your opinion on fox hunting, which is which is what people have been asking you. Various candidates have been followed around by various questions on matters of importance to people, and that has been one. So that's what I was asking your straight opinion on whether you think fox hunting should. Be allowed or not? Yeah, did, and the, I, I, I'm not sort of one way or the other. Genuinely, uh, Sinead, and if people want to, it, it is currently legal. The farming community support it and want it to remain as it is. They're the people whose land the hunts go over, etc. You know, this is rural Ireland, and uh, you know that, that that. But if 
I was president and legislation is going to pass through the House and, and, and comes to a bill, I've absolutely no problem with it and i am put that on record, none whatsoever. But I, I just say when you do get to the debate, if you want an honest um, answer to the question, because cause, cause, cause your question is a, is a very legitimate one, this is something, I mean, why would I be involved in something that's perceived to be so politically incorrect? The one common thing thread throughout all of my uh, approaches are animal welfare. Now you might say, well, sorry, Surely you couldn't be justifying, you know, foxes uh, being killed uh, from animal welfare grants. But the alternative of trapping them or poisoning them is something I'm concerned about. Because not only do foxes suffer, so do badgers and so do, uh, you know, a whole lot of wildlife uh, who, who, who are in the countryside. And I'm just saying there would need to be a very serious conversation about that. But if the legislators decide to ban it, I've absolutely no difficulty with that. Okay, we're just going to forward on a little bit um, to another question from a listener. This is a glorified ambassador role, I think. So mm-hmm. that's really just my opinion on it. I know they sign legislation into law and things like that, but mm-hmm. it's more so just a case of here's my signature and that's it. So I really don't get why anyone's going up against because I don't think they're going to win. I haven't heard, like, seen that much campaigning from any of them yet either, so... Not much of a question there, but um, what do you say to that, someone who hasn't seen much comp- much campaigning and doesn't think there's any point? Well, I, I believe there's a huge point and that's why I've put myself forward. So, um, you know, uh, if somebody feels there hasn't been much campaigning, but, you know, you know we're now getting into the business end of a presidential election, Sinead. We have a number of debates. Um, unfortunately, uh, President Higgins isn't taking part in all of them. Uh, and, you know, that's what he's chosen to do. Uh, but I think it's very important that we discuss the type of issues. Do do we want, as it, it would appear that that gentleman has said there uh, in your recording, uh, because he has the perception that that's all the president does, you know, sign papers. And I, I'm just wondering, why does the presidency cost as much as it does if that's all we're doing? I, I wonder, why can't we get an audit of uh, the costs of Uchtaran Heron. Why isn't it under freedom of information? Why has uh, the incumbent said, oh, I'll give you the figures, but after the election. Um, why did the Public Accounts Committee have to actually convene a meeting and discover that there's a discretionary spend of €317,000 that I think people weren't uh, aware of? So, yeah, I do think um, that uh, issues need to be raised during uh, the um, remainder of the campaign. And we either end up with a change, uh, which uh, I'm uh, campaigning for, or uh, we get a president returning with uh, a mandate. And certainly that's better than not any election at all, I, 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 I believe. Do you have a line for on the 27th or 28th, um, whenever the count finishes up, do you have a line of what, what would be a success or what would be a, a disappointment to you? Do you have a number in mind? If, if Is it a win at all costs? If it's not a win, you're going to be disappointed? Um, well, I, I, I'm not contemplating anything but a win, uh, Sinead. Uh, uh, so, uh, you know, we know a lot has to happen uh, because, as you, you said and your, your questioner said there, um, you know, the, in the polls, uh, now which are sort of a bit back, but we, we'll, I'm sure we'll see some, so, some new polling shortly. But in all of the presidential elections, 2011, um, 97 and 90, um, what happened in the last 10 days of presidential elections in 
Ireland, uh, the history of Have you of done any polling of is, yourself? Is, uh, not, not, not recently. Uh, we uh, did some uh, polling back at Easter uh, and um, it was very accurate, the, the, the figures that we've sort of seen so far. It, it, it reflected just a starting point. So it wouldn't be relevant where we are now. But, um, you know, we're in an election that presidential elections um, are all to play for. And uh, I'm certainly uh, looking forward to being in the count centre. It will be Sunday. The election is Friday. But with the size of the count, I'd say it'll be uh, Sunday. You'll be matter. hoping it's Sunday. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, it'll, uh, it'll be Sunday. Great. Thank you very much for Sinead, joining thank us. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. For each episode, I'm going to be joined by Ronan Duffy from the Journal.ie, who has been taking a look and analysing all the candidates' campaigns so far. Ronan, that was quite the lively chat we had with Gavin there. Anything that particularly stood out to you? Well, well, I think what stood out to me, and I think what will probably stand out to a lot of people, you know, who's followed this campaign, is that you know Gavin's performances have improved as as the campaign has gone on. I think what we saw today was was kind of somewhere in the middle. It was kind of a it was what what you might describe as a mixed performance. I think um, what he did do very well was he he hit on a lot of the points he wanted to make, and um, whether or not he argued those points as well as he would like, I, I think is 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 up for debate. I mean. One thing that we were clear that he wants to do is he wants to define what he thinks the next hundred years is going to be, and he keeps repeating this line about how Ireland is, you know, you know, on the cusp of being a new repu- of, of being a true republic, as he says. And I, I think we kind of know what he means as regards breaking church and state. But do people actually really like feel feel like Ireland hasn't been a real republic up until this point? I think people are kind of defensive about that thing. So it, it's it's a bit of a mixed performance about how people will take that. And he thinks the presidency can do a lot more than it does now. Will that go down well with, with voters? Well, I think it's difficult to know because I think people are happy with Michael D. Higgins' performance. I think the polls have shown that. But also... It is undeniable that Mary Robinson had a transformative presidency and, you know, the presidency has changed since then. I think he wants to go back to that. He seems to be suggesting that Michael D. Higgins's role is kind of going back to the retirement home. And in, during the course of the interview, if you heard, he, he described Mary Robinson as breaking the moulds, as, you know, kind of being that transformative presidency. But did he exactly, you know, describe how he would break the mould? Uh, I'm not too convinced about I mean... A lot of chat about the national conversation. National conversation is exactly what I was going to bring up. It's a phrase that we hear all the time from these kind of politicians and especially from Gavin here. But, you know, when you push them on exactly what does that mean, I'm not exactly clear as to if, if I got what he meant or what other people got what he meant. I mean... I was someone who I covered the Citizens Assembly very closely and that was a process where we had a national conversation about something and on the Eighth, Eighth Amendment, you know, it was a very engaged discussion but there were four other topics that were discussed that didn't get that much coverage. So, I mean, if he really wants this national conversation, he needs to define exactly what he wants to talk about. Was there anything there that would have lost him votes, do you think? I think one of the strange things about Gavin Duffy is that, you know, for somebody who is a PR expert, who's involved in communications, he does like to... You know, criticised the media a lot, and I, I he criticised I think RT at one point during the, during the interview. He says that you know the media has eliminated certain candidates, and I'm not sure that people are going to to get on board with that because you know without bringing Trump into it, that's the kind of politics that people get turned off by if you just kind of criticise the media the whole time, especially from someone who's supposed to be an expert on this. Yeah, you know, one thing where I thought he had a good point on was when he was talking about 1916. You know. 
1916 was a success for Ireland and how we remembered the 100 years, but it wasn't 100% down to Michael D. Higgins. I mean, Orty were very good and the media in general covered in a very sensitive way and the Irish people bought into it as well. So the way he kind of brought that away from Michael D. Higgins, something that's seen as one of Michael D. Higgins' strengths, I think was a clever ploy and I think that people will identify with that as well. Do you have any predictions for the rest of the campaign or how do you think Gavin Duffy will do on the 27th, 28th whenever we get the count back? Well, I think people came into it assuming that Sean Gallagher was um, was the natural number two in this race and given that he is the other dragon, uh, Gavin Duffy perhaps is fighting against him in that sense. So I think if he was to get close to Sean Gallagher's result or perhaps even go ahead of him, I mean, in the Orti Clare Byrne debate, he was there and he criticised Sean Gallagher for not being there. So if he was to get close to that kind of number I think he would have to consider a, you know, a bit of an improvement a bit of a success OK great thanks very much Rona. Thank you for listening to The Candidate with me Sinead O'Carroll and Ronan Duffy This episode was produced by Aoife Barry co-produced and edited by Nikki Ryan Thanks to the entire team at thejournal.ie and acting editor Christine Bohan Thanks also to DIT Angel Street for the use of its recording studio. Music you've heard is by Incompetech. You can find all other episodes of The Candidate on soundcloud.com forward slash the underscore candidate. Happy voting.